0: Good morning and if you have your Bibles ready, please turn with me to Mark's Gospel and we're going to start to read from Mark chapter 15 verse 40. So it's Mark 15 verse 40. Some women were watching from a distance. Among them were Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James the younger, and Joseph, and Solon. In Galilee these women had followed him and cared for his needs Many other women who had come up with him to Jerusalem were also there. It was Preparation Day, that is, the day before the Sabbath. So as evening approached, Joseph of Arimathea, a prominent member of the council, who was himself waiting for the kingdom of God, went boldly to Pilate and asked for Jesus' body. Pilate was surprised to hear that he was already dead, summoning the centurion he asked him if Jesus had already died when he learned from the centurion that it was so he gave the body to Joseph so Joseph brought brought some linen cloth took down the body wrapped it in linen and placed it in a tomb cut out of rock then he rolled the stone against the entrance of the tomb Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of Joseph, saw where he was laid. So we pray. Oh, Father, we just thank you again for this, your word. We thank you that we have the privilege of gathering around you together this morning. And we just seek your blessing upon us uh, as we learn together more about you. Oh, Father, we commit these things to you in the name of Jesus. Amen. So this passage... Uh, The victory is won, but it's yet to be seen. The once-for-all-perfect sacrifice has been made. The Lamb of God has died. So let's go back to Genesis and ask a question about another sacrificial death that shows us the relevance that it has with regard to the death of Jesus. This is the question that we want to ask. Why did God call Abraham to sacrifice his son, Isaac? Well, firstly, in Genesis chapter 22, verse 2, Then God said, Take your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on a mountain that I will show you. So there we have the phrase, Take your son, your only son only son whom you love. Then we come into the New Testament and we come to Hebrews chapter 11, verse 17 to 19. And this is what we read there. By faith, Abraham, when God tested him, offered Isaac as a sacrifice. He who had embraced the promise was about to sacrifice his one and only son. Even though God had said to him, it's through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. Abraham reasoned that God could even raise the dead. And so, in a manner of speaking, he did not receive Isaac back from the dead. Just notice in those verses, God tested Abraham. Abraham had embraced the promises of God. Abraham reasoned that God could even raise the dead let me go back to genesis genesis chapter 2 again verse 12 through to 14 do not lay a hand on the boy he said do not do anything to him now i know that you fear god because you have not withheld from me your son your only son abraham looked up and there in the thicket he saw a ram caught by its horns he went over and took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering Instead of his son. So Abraham called that place, the Lord will provide. And to this day it is said, on the mountain of the Lord it will be provided. So a few words from that passage that we can take note of. God said to Abraham, You have not withheld from me your son, your only son. And then we read that the Lord will provide. And to this day it is said, on the mountain of the Lord it will be provided. So that's looking to the future. So we have their verses from the Old Testament, from the New Testament, and they're all relevant to what is happening here at Calvary. You see, where did Abraham prepare the sacrifice for his beloved son Isaac? Another question, where did God prepare the sacrifice for his beloved son Jesus? The answer to both those questions is the region of Moriah. Moriah. That's where the temple of Jerusalem was. It was built on Mount Moriah. Where was Jesus crucified? Outside the city walls of Jerusalem in the region of Mount Moriah. God spared Abraham's beloved son. God did not spare his beloved son. So there is a graphic illustration of what God was doing at Calvary when he did not spare his one and only beloved son. We can go to the words of Jesus as he spoke to the two on the road to Emmaus. This is after his resurrection. This is in Luke chapter 24, it's verse 25 through to 27. This is Jesus speaking. He said to them, How foolish you are and how slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. Oh well, here's another question. Who wrote Genesis? Moses wrote Genesis. And that's where we just read about the sacrifice that Abraham was called to make. That's where we read the words about God will provide a lamb. Who is the lamb? Jesus is the lamb of God. The lamp that God provided. Isaiah the prophet. What did he say about Jesus? Well Isaiah 53 verse 9. He was assigned a grave with the wicked. And with the rich in his death. In the hostile crowd. That surrounded the cross. Those who knew the scriptures. The scriptures that they claimed to live by. Would have known who Jesus was. The one man who, as far as we know, did not have the benefits of the Scriptures, but who saw what they failed to see, well, in his words, the words of the centurion, surely this man was the Son of God. But there were two other men there, two other men who knew the Scriptures. And because they knew the Scriptures, because they went and searched the Scriptures, they also knew who Jesus was. So let's go back to our passage, Mark 15, verse 14 uh, 40 and 41. Some women were watching from a distance, and among them were Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James the younger, and Joseph and Salome. In Galilee, these women had followed him and cared for his needs. Many other women who had come up with him to Jerusalem were also there. All four gospel writers speak of the women who were at the cross, some of whom had followed him from Galilee and had cared for his needs. It's worth noting that all his male followers, apart from John, had deserted him. They were afraid and they ran away. In these verses we see the bravery and the dedication of these women. Women who were from different walks of life. But we see them united in their faithfulness. A faithfulness that would continue in their dedication and determination to go to the tomb at the earliest opportunity. And you know, this would turn out to give them the unexpected privilege of being the first people to know that Jesus had risen. And also for them to have their sorrow turned to joy. The Bible never underestimates the importance of women. Let's come to verse 42 and 47 of our passage where we're going to see the burial of Jesus. First of all, verse 42 and 43. It was preparation day. That is, the day before the Sabbath. So as evening approached, Joseph of Arimathea, a prominent member of the council, who was himself waiting for the kingdom of God, went boldly to Pilate and asked for Jesus' body. Let's just take note of this man, Joseph, the prominent member of the council. Let's just go back to what's been happening. You see, Jesus has now died. The bodies will be taken off from the cross and disposed of. Some bodies might have even been left there to rot, to be an example to others, but the dead bodies eventually were removed from the cross and they were dumped with the rubbish at a place called Gehenna. This was outside Jerusalem. The bodies were not given to the families. The families would not have the privilege of taking those bodies and being able to give them what might be termed as a decent burial. This takes us back Back to what the prophet Isaiah said. That will show us that something else that was very unusual was about to happen. Isaiah 53 verse 9. He was assigned a grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death. A member of the Sanhedrin would bury Jesus in a rich man's tomb. For that man to do this, he would have to ask Pilate to give him the authority to take charge of a corpse that was assigned to the rubbish dump and to be disposed of with the rest of the dead criminals. This man, unusually, would be given permission and also another member of the Sanhedrin would help him to bury the body. You see, God is is in control. He had been working behind the scenes, working in the hearts of two men who were prepared to put their lives and their reputations on the line. And it wasn't Peter or any of the other apostles. Maybe they were the ones you would expect to be the ones who would step forward. But none of them did, so who would? Well, God had already made preparation. My thought went back to Elijah. Because Elijah found out a similar thing in his day. He found out that God was at work even when he couldn't see that God was at work. We have to go back to 1 Kings chapter 19, in verse 14, this is what we read. This is... This is Elijah. He replied, I've been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars and put your prophets to death with the sword. I am the only one left. And now they are trying to kill me. That's probably a bit like the apostles felt at this moment at Calvary. But listen to what God said to Elijah. 1 Kings 19 verse 18. Yet I reserve 7,000 in Israel, all whose knees have not bowed down to Baal and whose mouths have not kissed him. You see, God, who was in control in the days of Elijah, he is in control in the days of Calvary. God has been working in the heart of Joseph. Joseph of Arimathea, a prominent member of the council who has himself been waiting for the kingdom of God. Let's go to Matthew 27 and verse 57. As evening approached, there came a rich man from Arimathea named Joseph who had himself become a disciple of Jesus. see, God was at work in this man's heart. Matthew 27 verse 6. And placing it in, and placing it, this is the body of Jesus, in his own new tomb that he had cut out of the rock. The impossible is happening here because God is in control. The tomb was ready and it was a new tomb. Luke 23 verse 50 and 54. Now, there was a man named Joseph, a member of the council, a good and upright man who had not consented to their decision and action. He came from the Judean town of Arimathea, and he himself was waiting for the kingdom of God. Going to Pilate, he asked for Jesus' body. Then he took it down, wrapped it in linen cloth, placed it in the tomb cut in the rock, one in which no one had yet been laid. It was preparation day, and the Sabbath was about to begin. You see, God had already done his preparation. He had Joseph a Arimathea, a member of the council, a good and upright man who had stood up for Jesus in the council. You don't know whether that was the point when he believed who Jesus was or he was still searching, but he didn't consent to their decisions and actions And he himself was waiting for the kingdom of God. An unlikely convert who went boldly into the unknown, walking by faith in God and with faith in God's plan. Let's go back to Mark 15, 44 and 45. Pilate was surprised to hear that he was already dead, summoning the centurion. He asked him if Jesus had already died. And when he learned from the centurion that it was so, he gave the body to Joseph. Now, I imagine that Pilate was surprised to hear this request. People wouldn't do this. People would be afraid to do this. He'd be surprised to hear from a member of the Sanhedrin. He was the least likely person to come and make this request to Pilate. And he was certainly surprised that Jesus was not already dead. The very fact that Pilate called for confirmation from the centurion leaves us in no doubt that Jesus was dead. For the centurion to lie about this would be the end to his career and more than likely the end to his life. We go back to Mark 15, verse 46 and 47. So Joseph bought some linen cloth took down the body, wrapped it in the linen, and placed it in a tomb cut out of the rock. Then he rolled a stone against the entrance of the tomb. You know, Mark doesn't tell us, but Joseph was not alone. He has another member of the Sanhedrin to help him. John, in his gospel, will tell us about this. John chapter 3. This man is Nicodemus. Nicodemus, the Pharisee, a member of the Sanhedrin, the man who came to Jesus by night wanting to know about the kingdom of God, a man who was told by Jesus that he must be born again. Nicodemus didn't understand this. So to paraphrase what Jesus said, this is what Jesus said. You know the scriptures. You teach the scriptures. Go and look at them again, and you will find the answers that you are Looking for, See the importance of Scripture? In his public ministry, Jesus had spoken many times about the kingdom of God. Joseph of Arimathea, a fellow member of the Sanhedrin, had been looking forward to the coming of the kingdom of God. And the Scriptures speak of the kingdom of God. Let's just stay in John's Gospel for a short while. John chapter 7, verse 50 through to 52. Nicodemus, who had gone to Jesus earlier and who was one of their own number, asked, Does our law condemn a man without first hearing him to find out what he has been doing? They replied, Are you from Galilee too? Look into it and you will find that a prophet does not come out of Galilee. This was one of the meetings that the Sanhedrin had about what they should do with Jesus and Nicodemus is raising a question he's challenging the decision of the council to arrest Jesus notice how that the last comment in those verses exposes the misunderstanding that the Sanhedrin had about the scriptures when they sneeringly turn towards him and says are you from Galilee too? look into it And you will find that a prophet does not come out of Galilee. Well, I believe that Nicodemus had already looked into the scriptures. I believe that he already knew from the scriptures that a prophet will come out of Galilee. And I believe that if not saved at this point, he was very close to salvation. Let's go to John's account of what we see happening here in the passage we're looking at in Mark, John 19, 38-42. And let's just sort of go through this slowly as as we uh, open it up together. Later, Joseph of Arimathea asked Pilate for the body of Jesus. Now, Joseph was a disciple of Jesus, but secretly because he feared the Jewish leaders. This tells us there must have been a time when he felt... But he was the only one among the people that he was working with who believed in Jesus. A little bit like Elijah. Have you ever felt like that as a Christian? I'm sure you have. The company you've been in and you felt as though you were the only one. Let's read on. With Pilate's permission, he came and took the body away. He was accompanied by Nicodemus, the man who earlier had visited Jesus at night. Now, I'm wondering here if Nicodemus felt the same way. (laughs) I would love to have been there when they realised that they were not alone. Did they then, as two men, two members of the Sanhedrin, secretly... Begin to search the scriptures together and begin to understand, and actually coming to a point where, because of the text, we could say that they probably understood more about what was happening at Calvary than the apostles did. Let's read on. Nicodemus brought a mixture of mare and aloes, about 35 kilograms, taking Jesus' body. The two of them wrapped it with the spices in strips of linen. This was in accordance with the Jewish burial custom. They were prepared. They had linen with them. They had spices. At the place where Jesus was crucified, there was a garden. And in the garden, a new tomb in which no one had ever been laid. Because it was the Jewish day of preparation, since the tomb was nearby, they laid Jesus there. This is what these two men did. In the time that they had, they did what they could. They wrapped the body of Jesus, they placed him in a new tomb and rolled the stone across the entrance. You know... Here at the end of this passage that we're looking at, there's an important verse that sometimes gets missed and the relevance is not always seen, but this is what it is. It's an important verse that shows the dedication and the devotion of the women. Because this is a piece of important information that they would need for them to take the next step that they had obviously planned for. They needed to know where the tomb was. So they followed. And Mark 15, verse 47. Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of Joseph, saw where he was laid. So what do we have in this passage for us this morning? I'll tell you what we see. We see a suffering saviour. We see 11 deserting disciples. We see two concerned disciples converts and we see a group of women who were faithful followers You see the importance of faith in God's word even when we don't understand what is happening around us all these people walked by faith and not by sight you see God is in control. He speaks through his written word. He speaks through his living word. He speaks through the failings and the faithfulness of his followers. I want to finish this morning with Matthew 6. This is verse 33 to 34. This is advice to all of us. But seek first the kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. These words are always relevant to us. Maybe at this point in our history, during this coronavirus, they are even more relevant. But seek first his kingdom, and his righteousness. And all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. God is still on the throne. Father, we thank you again for your words, and we pray that this morning we will have been encouraged by them by your written word, by your spoken word, by the lives of those who followed you, even when they failed. Father, we just ask these things in the name of Jesus. Amen.